Welcome, everybody, to this first ever episode coming at you live from your mom's basement. It is I, your host, Dex, and your co-host, DJ. How you doing, my boy? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? It took you a, a hard-ass second to reply there, but it's okay. We're here to talk about pro wrestling, all kinds of pro wrestling, from WWE to AEW to whatever floats your boat in you know, whatever high school gym you're looking at it. And first and foremost, DJ, do you want to uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Say who you are. I am DJ. I have been watching wrestling since the late 90s. Uh, my main area of expertise would be Japanese star wrestling and also uh, early 2000s indie wrestling. And my name, as I said before, is Stex. I've been watching wrestling for about 20 years now. My main area of expertise, so to speak, would be mostly Mexican wrestling, CMLLL, uh, AAA, and whatever response to WWE as that's what I have been watching for the most of my life. Funny enough, when I started watching wrestling, it was when I was six. I'm 26 now, by the way. I wasn't the one that like initially got into it. It was my cousins. My cousins were the ones into it, and then they got me into it because they would want to play wrestling, and I was small enough and light enough that they could pick me up. So <laughs> I was more like a, a crash test dummy at that point, but then I got really into it, and I started really, really liking it. And after we grew up, I was kind of the only one that stuck with it. Like, I remember that we would get together to watch, like, pay-per-views or, or just the, the weekly shows. Because in my country, we would always have to watch it on tape delay because they would never show it live. They would show it two weeks late. And as we grew up and we got access to the internet, we started watching more. And then... They kind of just fizzled out of it, but I I step uh, I kept at it, and the more I discovered, the more I liked. I started watching stuff from when I was like not even alive, from like the nineties and whatever, and that got me into The Rock and you know Mick Foley and whatever. And from then on, I whatever wrestling I could, I started watching. And another thing, big thing, was my grandfather. He was a really really big fan of Mexican wrestling and. He would always sit in his rocking chair watching, and sometimes I just wanted to spend time with him, so I would just sit down and watch it with him, even if I wasn't super into it at the beginning. But seeing him and seeing how into it he was made me a, a really big fan of it, and it was just awesome to be able to share that with him. And you know, once he passed away, I just kind of kept the, the tradition of watching Mexican wrestling and being a fan of it. So that's you know the gist of my experience with wrestling so far in my life, I guess. What about you? Um, well, I would normally sort of similar with you. Uh, my dad loved WWE or WWF at the time. And so most of the time I would, you know, about four or five years old, I'd sit there, you know, pass the time sort of thing. And then sort of round, I would say, oh, two, oh, three was when I was old enough to sort of really understand the greatness that could be showcased. Um, so my favorite would have been yeah, the 03 or 04 Smackdowns. The thing that really sort of grabbed my interest was sort of WrestleMania 20. Uh, Eddie Guerrero won the title, The Undertaker came back and sort of 
the character himself, because at that point I hadn't seen sort of a character of that level. You know, it really showed sort of what wrestling could do and what kind of stories they can make. And, you know, even with the stupidest things like uh, Great American Bash, you had the Undertaker versus the Dudleys, and he buried Paul Bear alive. But, you know, it, it, they had the ability to make someone like me get really invested in sort of the stupidest stuff. But they did it in a way that was, I don't know, just really... My mum would always call it a soap opera for men, and I can, yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. Yeah, and I can definitely relate to that because, like, my parents never really understood what I like so much about wrestling. My mom never really liked the violence. My dad never really got it. Like, he would just be like, "Well, I mean, they're not hitting each other, right? They're not doing this. They're not doing that." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know, but." it's still entertaining and I still like it because I'm invested in what's happening. It's like watching a TV show, you know, like watching a movie. You just get invested into this larger-than-life characters that you just don't... To a certain degree, you stop thinking they're real. Like, you stop thinking there are actual people who are doing this ridiculous-ass stuff. Like, when I was a kid, I remember seeing Undertaker, Chokeslam, Edge off of a ladder and then and through the ring and the ring just then caught on fire <laughs> like and you would think that edge got like dragged into hell after that but then next week he would just show up like nothing happened i was like oh sick edge is fine you know what i mean like it was the most ridiculous stuff but it was made in a way that you were invested in it and you didn't care if it was ridiculous you were just like oh yeah that's wrestling that's that's what we that's why we watch it that's why we like it that's why we are so into it, not just the physical aspect of it, but like the story aspect of it is something that keeps drawing you back in and you just keep getting invested into what's happening. Absolutely. Would you say there was a um, certain wrestler or a certain match that sort of first got you hooked properly? Like, was there a moment where you thought, yeah, this is something that I really like? Uh, I mean, definitely, because when I was six, seven years old, and I was watching, you know, with my cousins, we would all have our favorite wrestlers. Like, we would all have, like, an individual favorite. Like, uh, one of my cousins was John Cena's, then The Undertaker, Batista, Edge, and for me, that was Booker T. I love Booker T. To this day, I still love him. I think he's one of the most entertaining wrestlers I have ever seen, both, like, ring-wise and just personality-wise. Like, he was just bonkers and it was just so fun to watch him all the time and i remember when he i I don't exactly remember what year it was but when he became king of the ring i remember that you know he was kind of a heel he was kind of a douche really there you go thank you and i remember thinking like i don't care if he's the bad guy i don't care if he's kind of a dick I still love him. I still like him. I'm still all in for King Booker. And even even with his ridiculously fake British accent, that I just thought that was so funny. Now, in terms of... Can you do a, can you do a King Booker? Oh, God, no, I can't. <laughs> I don't... I don't know. <clears throat> I don't want to... I don't want to do that live on camera. <laughs> King Booker. Booker. 
But it, it was with oh, this, it was with his like raspy ass voice, was like King Baka. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm butchering that. Anyways, <laughs> um, did you follow him to TNA? I did, actually, I did with the main event mafia and whatever it was called. I did for a minute because in my back in my country, you could only for the longest time you could only watch WWE and CMLLL. Um, because those were the only ones that would show on cable TV. Then after I grew up and I was able to access the internet, then I discovered TNA and all that kind of thing. Um, mm. So that's when I did. Uh, but I would say the match that got me hooked into wrestling for real seas, it was WrestleMania 21, because that was the first like WrestleMania that I consciously watch remember like i consciously remember watching it knowing fully well was what's going on because i had seen wrestlemania 20 but i was still not super into wrestling at that moment so i couldn't really like i wasn't super invested in it but wrestlemania 21 i was and the match that really got me into it was john cena versus jbl and it's like it's the most it's a very basic ass match. It's really not that much. It's like ten minutes long, but I was such well. I am such a big fan of John Cena. Like he's one of my favorite wrestlers ever. And at that moment, you know, I was like two two thousand. Uh, what was it like? What twenty two thousand and five? I was I was like eleven years old or something like that. I remember how old, I don't remember how old I was. But I was just a small kid, and I was seeing John Cena, who was this amazing, rude ass character that I just so that I had so much love for, just win the WWE title for the first time, and I just I lost my head, I lost my mind when I watched it on TV, started screaming and and jumping around, and I was so happy about it. Uh, well, how about you though? The first match I would say that really it's a tough one. I'd say the one I remember the most clearly from sort of my younger years was, I believe, 2002, a uh, steel cage match in SmackDown between Triangle and Edge. The end where Hogan saved Edge from a beatdown. And then after that, they went into, I think, was it right before that or after that? They had the hair versus hair match. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. And I actually read up a bit later on that up until 10 minutes before that match, Edge thought he was going to lose. And cut his hair. And they ripped him. Oh wow, that There's is. Fun I did not know that. That is funny. And then, as I said before, my main interest and what I'm really passionate about now is Japanese wrestling. Right. And the first match I actually watched in that scenario, in that area, which might surprise some, might surprise some people that know me, it was the IWGP Heavyweight Title match between Nakamura and Brock Lesnar. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a bit of a shit show, but that's okay. Well, I mean, but like, um, how, how did you, like, how did you find Japanese wrestling? Like, how did you get into it? Like, was it showing on TV? Because I know that, you know, you live in London and whatever, but I don't know if you've always lived in London, but like, do they show it on yeah. TV? Or like, do, how, how did you come about it? Oh, when I was really young, they, uh, in my local shopping center, they had a VHS do you know VHS, right? Yes. Sweet. So, and they would have wrestling events from Japan, from Mexico, from all over the world. And they would record them and it would be, I don't think it's actually very legal now that I think about it, but 
They'd sell them for about, what, a pound, two pounds, maybe. Oh, wow. I saw, a, I remember seeing a cover of, a, it was it was one of the New Japan events, and it had wrestling on it. It had a ring on the front, had wrestlers, and then back then I was a super fan, so I was like, yeah, why not? So I grabbed it, took it home, and, and been like that ever since. That's awesome that you had a store like that. I've never heard of anything like it. Yeah, I mean, it may not, it may not be the, the most legal thing to do, but who cares? It got you into wrestling, so we're going to be thankful for it anyways. <laughs> My first ECW pay-per-view was from that store as well. It was uh, Big Ass Extreme Bash 98, I think. Oh, wow. I don't... I didn't... In the main event for the world title. I didn't really watch East like I don't remember seeing anything about the original ECW like at all until I was much much older and it mm. didn't really exist anymore well I mean it did but like I wasn't super familiar with like the history of ECW because I remember like one of my first exposures to it was one was it one night stand John Cena versus Rob Van Dam for the WWE title is that what it was I think it was uh, that was that like was crazy. Yeah, that was like crazy. my. That's when I dis when I f first discovered that outside of WWE there were like a bajillion other <laughs> promotions in the United States. Cause I had no idea for the most part. I had no idea because like, you know, like I was saying, we would watch stuff on tape delay, and he would only show WWE. They would no. I would never watch. Uh, TNA, or I didn't know what the hell, you know, uh, the NWA was, or WCW. I had no idea what any of that was, because they, for starters, they would never really talk about it, and I never really had a way of learning about it, either, up until much later. Also, I remembered, I was nine years old at WrestleMania 21, so that's when I watched, like, my first <laughs> conscious WrestleMania. That's what it was, nine. And, you know, the thing with, like, do liking different types of of wrestling like you know american wrestling japanese mexican whatever is you can tell how different they are but at the same time how everything revolves around the same basic idea of just trying to tell a story in the ring and just having this two characters that want to just beat the shit out of each other as scott steiner is showing up in my neighborhood i think ladies and gentlemen uh <laughs> i don't know what that was <laughs> but yeah you know and i remember being a kid and watching wwe and thinking like oh wow the you know the the stories the characters but then i would watch cmll and it was a completely different way of telling the story it was a completely different type of wrestling as well i was like damn like there's it's the same thing but at the same time they are so different from each other and i just think that is the coolest thing ever you know yeah forgive me i'm quite ignorant on the mexican wrestling triple a and cm double l they they used to be a single company right no uh triple a has always been like the biggest rival of cmll cmll is the oldest wrestling promotion in mexico uh they have been around for god knows how long but triple a has always been their rival they as far as i'm concerned and i could be totally wrong because i don't remember this well because uh, i'm not super i don't watch triple a a lot I, I i will confess that i only want when it comes to mexican wrestling i usually only watch cmll um 
but they've as far as I'm concerned they've never been the same company I have I will have to double check that later on because I have no idea but um the main difference that I've seen in recent years between the both of those is that CMLL is more of a traditional Mexican tapa promotion like you have your you know you have your your trios matches you have a lot of high flyers lots of mask luchadors lots of them are like uh with from like a long lasting family of people who have passed down the mask through generations and then triple a has that but tries to infuse it i think with some of the more like u.s type of wrestling stuff you know like they'll bring in uh wrestlers from the united states they'll bring in people from AEW now that AEW is a thing um and their storylines are more dare i say wwe-esque you know for lack of a better word um when it comes to what they do in the ring contrary to cmll that is a little bit more um it's more down to the wrestling, I think. CMLL just kind of focuses more down onto the wrestling aspect of it and the tradition aspect of it. And AAA still has that, but tries to bring in different aspects from different types of wrestling as well. Okay, so for the viewers at home, what if they wanted to get into these promotions? Uh, do you have any sort of matches, maybe some pointers? If you really wanted to get into the mitty-gritty history of CMLL, I would definitely recommend watching, like, El Santo stuff, Blue Demon, Mil Mascaras, uh, Dr. Wagner. Now, if you want to get into it now, um, I will say that I'm not entirely sure how you can watch CMLL outside of certain territories. I think in the United States you can, uh, but I'm not entirely sure how it works in Europe. I will say that it is not your usual type of wrestling show i've been to a couple of cmll shows they're really really good they're really great but the way they work is they'll usually have like four to five trios matches for those of you who don't know a trios match is essentially a six-man tornado tag team well not tornado tag team sorry a six-man two out of three falls tag team match like that's their that's their main gig is the two out of three falls that is the bread and butter of Mexican wrestling. It's always like that. And it's always a bunch of trios matches. And in Mexican wrestling, the baby face and heel, you know, style or mechanic or whatever you want to call it is really, really, really obvious. Like they don't, they don't, you know, uh, they don't mess around with it. Like it's, these are the baby faces. These are the heels and that's how it works. And that's how you're going to like it. And that's just exactly, and that's how every match goes for the most part. Like, uh, the last time I went to a CMLL show, the main event was Mystico, Negro Casas, and I forget who the third guy was, um, against, shit, I forget who they were. Never mind. Fuck. Negro Casas. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Let me let and me Cara look. And Fuck it. Let me look it up real quick. Juventude probably. Juventude Guerrera. Fucking let psychosis. Me, let me let me look it up real Dr. quick. Dr. Wagner. Psychosis. Let me look it up real quick. This guy's looking up the fucking matches. Lord of mercy. I forget, okay? It was like in December. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. 
I I should find I should be able to find the damn poster. It was Mystico, Negro Casas, and Titan versus Euphoria, uh, Echicero, and Mephisto. And even when they're like coming out for their entrances, you can tell who you're supposed to be cheering for and who you're supposed to be booing. Like when Euphoria, Echicero, and Mephisto came out. It was all like black, red, like really heavy rock music. And they were like flipping off the crowd and the crowd was flipping them off back. And you could just hear the, the booze in the crowd and they were like, and they just drew them in and just like drunk it all in. And even like their presentation, like their masks, you know, they look like uh, they have horns. They look like demons. They're black and red and all these like colors that you just kind of identify and you just look at him and just go like, damn, that's that's that looks like an evil motherfucker. You know what I mean? But then you had the baby faces come out and the music was completely different. The lighting was completely different. The presentation was completely different because that's what they want you to. You know, they're telling you this is the person you're supposed to be cheering. This is the good guy. This is the the guy you want to win. And then let me tell you something, brother. When Mystico came out. The entire place lost their goddamn minds. My, me included, because I love Mystico. The entire place just lost their mind. And that is what I think is like the epitome of Mexican wrestling. It's like, you don't know this guy's name. You don't know this guy's face. But it doesn't, you, you don't care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Because you just see him and you just go, that's the guy I want, I want to win. That's the guy that I want to cheer for. That is the epitome of Mexican wrestling right there. And he's the champion right now, of course. So it's just very telling that their tradition and their way of doing things has such a long line of um, like history behind it. And I just think that's fascinating. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's sort of like, not the rest of themselves, but the mask, the yeah. attire that they wear. That's like, it's a character in itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, like, even if they, you know, they, they change the wrestler wearing the mask, the mask is what holds so, so much power. Like, there's, you know, there's this whole thing about nepotism babies. Um, but if you look at wrestling, specifically Mexican wrestling, there's, like, a bajillion people who have worn El Santos's mask. There's El Hijo del Santo, the son of El Santo, the other son of El Santo, El Santo Jr., the, the grandson of El Santo, the fucking nephew of El Santo. And everybody capitalizes so much off of that because you show up to a wrestling show with El Santo's mask, everybody's going to know that. Everybody's going to recognize it. Everybody's going to want you to be the best and want you to be on top. You know what I mean? And it's just so crazy to think about it because you'll have whole lines of families just dedicated to wrestling and everybody's a wrestler in it. Everybody. Now, I know that that doesn't really answer the question you asked me because <laughs> you asked me what matches. Um, I will say anything that has Mystico in it because he is very good. So I would definitely recommend looking him up. Uh, there's also another guy who is not as known, I believe, but he is very good because I saw him live. His name is Fugas. It's F-U-G-A-C because it's in Spanish. Amazing wrestler, amazing performer. 
another mask luchador, of course. Um, and so when it comes to that type of thing, I wouldn't say look up matches, but look up wrestlers. Look up Mexican wrestlers that may interest you, and then look at their stuff. Because a lot of time, that's how it works. Um, it's not so much about the match itself; it's about the luchadors in the match. It's like it's you're 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 going to see them. You're not specifically going for like to watch a wrestling clinic. You just want to see them flipping around and kicking the shit out of each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean from the rest the matches I've seen, it can get really brutal. Yes. And the things they do to each other. I've watched uh hair versus hair match between El Dandy and El Satanico. It was a two Ooh. out of three falls. Yes. And the stuff they were doing to each other, man. It can be very brutal, yeah. And they like yeah. you'll watch like yeah, I've I've watched like independent wrestling and you know how they say that like all they all those all those guys do is like flip around or whatever. Sometimes, yeah, but you have not seen shit if you haven't seen Mexican wrestling, man. <laughs> the the things that they do to themselves, the ways in they that they flung, they f- just throw themselves around like it's nothing. It's incredible to watch, and at the same time, um, actually, funny funny enough, uh, the last CML show that I went to, somebody got like injured and had to be stretched out because of what they were doing they took a really bad dive and they couldn't keep going in the match and it was just so like damn like they are putting everything they have into all of these moves and all of these spots for the entertainment of you know this many people that are here right now and that's just the commitment to it and the the sacrifice they have for them for their masks and for the craft is so unbelievable, but so respectable at the same time. Yeah, they're like real life stuntmen. Yeah, there's no ropes, there's no nets, but also they have the ability to tell a story, to act, to mm-hmm. create emotion in someone purely through their actions and through their through their words. Yeah, and it's like, like... It's, it's so much going into it. Yeah, and sorry to cut you off. Um... And it's very apparent when you look at the older wrestlers. You know, like, you know how, you know, in WWE we've seen, like, Ric Flair or The Undertaker wrestle, like, well into their 50s or whatever. There's guys in CMLL that are, like, 65 years old and still going. And really? Yeah, like, uh, this was a, a really sweet moment that I was able to have when I went to CMLL last year. I got to see Negro Casas, right? Negro Casas, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a incredibly famous Mexican lucha Mexican wrestler. He was he used to be a luchador. He used to be a bit more nimble, <laughs> but now he's not really. Um, and you know he's also an innovator of a bajillion ass moves that everybody does now. And right now he's well into his sixties, and he's still going. He's still wrestling. He's still taking bumps. He's he's still taking chops. He's still doing his thing. And people love it. People don't care about his age. It's not awkward to watch. People don't care because they love him. And it's like, you just take one look at him and you just go like, there's no way, no way that he's a wrestler. But then you see him in the ring and you see him perform and you see how people react to it. Mm. And it's the most beautiful thing ever. And it was very sweet for me because he actually was one of my grandfather's favorites. He had always talked about how he wanted to see him live. 
Uh, I don't know if he ever really did. Uh, at least in his old age, I know he didn't. But then I got to see him live, and I, you know, not to be corny, but I definitely felt like my grandfather was there with me as I was watching this geriatric man get his shit kicked in <laughs> by someone in a mask, but it was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, and that's another thing with Mexican wrestling. Whole families can have stories about the same wrestler from any... Like El Santo, for example. The son of El Santo. That could be you know, another generation's El Santo. Yeah, and usually have there's... their own stories to tell about the same kind of guy. Yeah, and... And that's the beauty of the mask, really. Is like it so the legend, the legend of the the wrestler doesn't die, you know. Like, like what you were saying, you know, my grandfather saw El Santo, I saw El Hijo del Santo, and the nephew of El Santo, and the grandson of El Santo, and all the Santos. <laughs> but there was always somewhere, uh, someone there that I could watch that I could be like El Santo lives through them you know what i mean and it's just a beautiful thing to see yeah i was gonna say do you feel like those rare occasions where they unmask do you think they kind of lose the, the it loses the magic of the mask sort of because here's the thing um when it comes to unmasking a wrestler for a lot of wrestlers well for most wrestlers not all that's like the worst thing you can do to them because it's not so much that they're losing, like, it's not a gimmick. You know what I mean? Like a, a mask is not a gimmick. It's their lives. It's their responsibility. It's their personality. It's their character. It's their legacy. And when you unmask somebody, it's almost like you're stripping them of who they are. You know what I mean? And yeah, the thing about it as well is like, you know, you can put the mask back on and, and just call it a day. And it depends on if you are willing to do that. It depends on if the people who employ you are willing to do that. It depends on the, if the person who gave you the mask is willing to do that. Cause that's another thing. Uh, you just don't, a lot of times you just don't decide that, Oh, I'm going to be a mask luchador and get my mask done. And then I'll do it. Like you can do that. But if, when it comes to Mexican tradition, you don't, you have to convince someone to give you a mask. And then the person will either make the mask or not. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just a thing that you can decide for the most part. It's something that has to be given to you. It's something that you have to earn. So when you lose it, it's like you just lost everything that made you, you. And you have to start over from scratch. Yeah, it, it seems very rare now that a wrestler that on Mars can still have that sort of... Can, Put the mask back on, and it'd be like nothing happened. Like the only example I can really think of is Rey Mysterio. Maybe psychosis, if you're feeling generous. <laughs> yeah, and the thing with Rey Mysterio, um, that was an interesting case because he, you know, he definitely didn't he didn't want to unmask. He has said so himself. But then he had to at WCW, and it, I think. Part of it was everybody collectively realized that without the mask, it's just, it just doesn't work the same way, you know, because you don't, when you think of Rey Mysterio, the first thing that will always come to your mind is his mask. 
it's kind of mind-boggling now to think that somebody thought it was a good decision to unmask him, but, you know, that was WCW back then. Um, but the thing with trying to put the mask back on is it has to be something that you know will work and that you know will be accepted. Um, you know, like Mystico. Mystico, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, when he was signed by WWE, he went to and became Sin Cara in WWE, uh, which we all know how that turned out. Uh, <laughs> don't we? Oh, yeah, they sort of had two of them and then fired the fight, the real one and kept the fake one, and I don't know. It was it was a lot. Um, so after he was after he left WWE, um, he went back to Mexico. But the thing is that CMLL had already given somebody else the mystical mask, because like I was saying, you know, it's, it's the mask. It's not really the person. It's the mask. So anybody can wear. The, so realistically speaking, anybody can wear the mask. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he goes back to Mexico only to find out that there's another Mystico. Uh, I think it was called Mystico 2 to make the distinction or something. I don't remember exactly. Um, so what does he do? He goes to CMLL's biggest rival, Triple A, becomes Caristico, which was a weird-ass name, if you ask me. Uh, and then after many trials and tribulations, he decides to go back home to CMLL, while the second Mystico, I think, had to change his mask to Drillistico or something like that. And he became Mystico again a couple of years ago. And now he's probably the most popular wrestler in the whole of Mexico. So, you know, it turned out well for him. But as you can see, like, when the wrestlers don't own the mask and the mask is not something that it's... Even if they, like, work their asses off to keep it, sometimes it's not you know, their decision who gets to wear it. So when CMLL said, oh, we don't have Mystico anymore, we'll just have another Mystico, and that will be better <laughs> for some reason. Now, I know that there's been Mexican wrestlers that have performed in Japan, and I know that some of, you know, Japanese wrestling has some Mexican influence, not just in character-wise and masks, but, like, in the wrestling itself. But I also, I'm not super familiar with Japanese wrestling. I don't really know a lot about it and I would definitely love to know and I'm pretty sure our audience if they are still here would also love to know <laughs> well if we're talking modern day we've got the obvious one it's just the big dog no pun intended of Jap Japanese wrestling at this time and then you sort of got right down below you got all Japan you got Paris and Noah and so the history between these three you know it dates back all the way to 19 the 1960s when they were known as the Japanese Wrestling, I believe, Association. And that was run by Ricky Dozen, who was the trainer of two men who were yeah, worldwide names at this point, I'd say, um, Antonio Noki and Giant Barber. But after Ricky Dozen passed, uh, it led to a lot of internal fraction, led to Barber and Noki both leaving. Inoki finds founds New Japan, Baba founds All Japan, and the rest is history. Oh wow! So they, I, I did remember that at some point you have probably told me about Inoki and Baba and that how they had found, how they had funded. I guess that's the word. I don't know. Founded? I have no idea. Um, don't talk to me. My first 
language is not English. How they had, you know, been, how they were brought up together when it comes to wrestling, and they then like took their separate ways and whatever. Now, the thing for me with Japanese wrestling is, I always feel like it's all about the wrestling. There's definitely stories and there's definitely characters and and whatnot, but it's always mostly focused on just two people beating the crap out of each other. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but. Uh, I want to just at least get your, you know, gouge your opinion on that. Like, is it more about the wrestling or is it like there's, when when I say more about the wrestling, I mean more about the physical aspect of it or is it like all all around like, you know, WWE, AW and whatnot? I would definitely say uh, there's a massive emphasis on the in-ring action. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not been until very recently with New Japan, they would sort of incorporate more promos, more interviews, uh, especially with All Japan, they would try and tell the story in the ring. There'd be a lot of interaction between the wrestlers that aren't a punch, that aren't a move. It could be like it's very subtle things. Yeah, like the way they'd sell their legs, sell their arm. The way the other man would counter that. How vicious they are. It's very subtle, I find, in the way they tell a story. Yeah, and I've definitely seen that because now you also have um, what's this uh, star? What's it called? Uh, the the all women Japanese one. Uh, what's it called? Um, Stardom. Stardom. Yeah, that one. Whenever I yeah. watch like clips of them or matches from their shows, it always feels like they're not telling the story through like acting or anything they're telling the story through their you know the the, the motions of the match they they're telling the story through their moves they're telling the story through their selling like you were saying and i always find that very interesting because it puts a lot of emphasis into what's happening in the ring and i don't know if that's like a japanese thing or if that's just like them trying to be more not you know realistic but definitely like more like a combat sport so to so to speak yeah, I find similarly to Mexican wrestling with their masks, it can be very traditional in Japan. They would see it more as an athletic competition mm-hmm. as opposed to a, a show. Right. But obviously there are exceptions to that. Especially nowadays, they're very a lot more well-rounded than they were before. And I think that's due to the popularity and the increase in attendance in the wrestling industry in general. Right. Yeah, like in the 80s, in the 90s, even, for the beginning. Almost like a national territory. So WWE would have their, would be in America mostly. New Japan, all Japan would be in Japan. Yeah, they'll have their occasional worldwide tour, um, like shows. But it's nowhere near as large and regular as it is now. And because of that, I feel it influences the fans more and sort of gives them an idea of what, you know, someone that can improve on the wrestling that they're watching at the moment. Right. Especially in, with New, New Japan, they're incorporating a lot more written promos and interviews in their program. Yeah, and I've definitely noticed that because, you know, there's, back in the day, as you were mentioning before, like, you know, Rock Lesnar used to go to New Japan, but then, 
You had people like AJ Styles, The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, Will Ospreay, um, Neville or Pac, as he's now known, uh, Chris Jericho, all those, like, or Sasha Banks now, actually. Um, Mercedes Monet, if you want to call her that way, I don't know. Um, it's always so interesting because you will watch the matches that they have in Japan and it's very different from the ones that they would have here. Recently, I saw this clip on Twitter of Steve Austin when he was uh, younger having a match in Japan and it was completely different from what you would see him doing during WWF and WWE and whatnot. And it sometimes feel like the wrestlers themselves like go to Japan because they want to experience this different kind of wrestling. So I don't know what you think about that though. Oh, absolutely. If you ever get a chance, please, please, please watch Hulk Hogan versus Inoki in the 80s in New Japan. You will never see Hulk Hogan do more, more wrestling moves than in that match. I saw him do an arm bar. I saw him do a headlock turning into a grabbing their arm. I saw him go off the top rope with a jumping clothesline. And I'm just like, is this the same guy? Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's an undi- undeniably just down to the style. You know, like, they're allowed to do that type of thing more there because they can tell the story through the wrestling rather than tell the story with the wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And now that uh, segues us perfectly into Sonata, who has recently won the IWGP World Heavyweight title, if I'm not mistaken, who apparently had never won. Hey. He had never been close to winning it. And I know that you have a lot of thoughts, lots of thoughts about that and not so many happy ones. So go ahead. The floor is yours. <laughs> Sonata. Oh, I I know if I'd see the day where he would be the world champion. To be honest with you, I thought, oh, in my mind, the first time I saw Sonata was in TNA. Remember, anyone remember the great Sonata? Uh, and I obviously, guess, um, I guess no. <laughs> oh, so basically, sidetrack for a second. They bought the great Muta in, and he was running a company called Wrestle One at the time. And so part of the deal, they brought in a couple of his younger sort of trainees, students or pupils, whatever you want to call them. One of them was Sonata. Oh, okay. And he turned heel on Muta and became the great Sonata, and he came out with the face. Oh, okay. Spat mist in people's faces. Of course. (laughs) And when I watched that, I never in my wildest dreams... Thought they can get out of that. Yeah, again, Okada did, so good job. Well, good job for him, I suppose. Um, oh, yeah. But um, there are a couple of wrestlers I think probably would would be in a better position to be champion than him, but, you know. But what about him you don't like, though? Like, what what is it about him that you don't like? Oh, you're right. What I'm is a it? a bit underwhelmed, but... Oh, okay. Like, why? He's just... It's very underwhelming. In what sense, though? Like, underwhelming how? Uh, to, to, me, he, to me, he's always just struck me as mediocre. <laughs> okay. It reminds me of Yoshihashi, kind of. Just, he's alright. Just not... 
Not a world title? Not 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 a world champion? It, oh, how can I explain? It would be like if Keith Lee won the WWE title. It's... Like, <laughs> right, okay. You don't like Keith Lee? People like Keith Lee. That man aged 20 years in, 20 mo- in two months. Uh, that yeah. man. Have you seen him in I AW? Have. I have. Grey hair? Nah, sorry. You it don't... looks like Big Mama's house. Stop it. <coughs> I can't. <laughs> Did you just call no, so... Keith Lee? We like giving Orange Cassidy the world championship. I mean, com- I mean, I- I- we love Orange Cassidy here, but I, I-, I- okay, I can agree with I- that. No, one. I don't. I-, I can't agree with that one though. I-, I think that right now, the 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 work that he's doing right now, it would. I don't know if it would def- it, w- it would fit the world title as good as he could be, you know what I mean? However <laughs> it, it would be like if it would be like if Jinder Mahal won the oh wait, never mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't That's talk about bad. that. We don't talk about that. <laughs> no, we do. I'm sure Jinder Mahal is a beautiful we human don't talk being. About but... Jinder. I saw him live. He's massive. I yeah. saw him live. He's massive. Yeah, he's like he's nearly like seven foot tall. He's like he was bigger than Brock Lesnar. Or he is bigger than Brock Lesnar. He's a big boy. He is. He's a big boy. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't really mind his world title run. Uh, we can talk about underwhelming title runs now, I guess. I didn't mind gender. It's, I didn't think it was that bad. I was like, okay, this is happening now, and this is a thing, and you know, fuck it, uh, it's, it's something. Uh, but it was definitely like, oh well. To whatever. be honest with you, at that point, if, to be honest with you, at that point, I wasn't even watching WWE. Really? Well, like, three, what was it like? I was just like, no, no, sorry. <laughs> that that that's that's what made you quit. <laughs> Jinder Mahal was WWE champion. That, that was too much. And he thought, I, and I switched on one day. I'm seeing Great colleague crawl his way to the ring and try and. I'm just like, no, nah, sorry. <laughs> what a weird, what a, what a strange idea. Just have him come back for one night just to. Screw over Randy. Yeah, because, you know. No one knows him. Yeah, because, you know. He was back for one night. Literally, yeah. I remember because I was watching that pay per view. I remember he just popped off and it was like, okay, hi, how you doing? And he left and he never came back. (laughs) He never came back, no. Jim just put him back in the cage. Yeah, and then he got into the Hall of Fame. So, you know, good for him. Uh, well, I think sorry. he did. Actually, I have no idea if he did or didn't. But whatever. If not, I don't think he. I don't think he. Great, if he has, I'm very. I don't remember it. Great Kali for the WWE Hall of Fame. Book it, Vince. Book it right now. Yeah, get. He can be next to Lillian Garcia. <laughs> yeah, just announce people to the ring. <laughs> oh Why no, not? no, he is in the Hall of Fame, class of twenty twenty one. He is in the Why? Hall of Fame. He was inducted alongside what? John JVL, the British Bulldog, Dushin Thunder Liger, the newer older uh, order, the Bella Twins, William Shatner, Titus O'Neil. Oh wait, no, sorry, that's the twenty twenty class. Never mind. He was inducted. I love how William Shatner yes. isn't the joke of that class. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I got it wrong. Sorry. It's the Molly Holly, Eric Bischoff, Kane, Rob Van Dam, and uh, Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> You're telling me Kane got inducted the same year as the Great Holly. 
and Eric Bischoff. Uh, I'm surprised well, uh, Eric Bischoff wasn't the Hall of Fame, but whatever. We're getting really sidetracked here, y'all. We are not professionals. We are not. Uh, uh, well, well, what's the topic? Sonata. Yeah. <laughs> we started talking about Eric Bischoff and the Great Khali. Sonata. <laughs> great Khali, yeah. Uh, so is, is Sonata the Great Khali of New Japan? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I wouldn't go that far. Is Sonata that's, the... That's a bit harsh. Is Sonata then maybe, like, I don't know, the Austin Theory of New Japan? I like Austin Theory. I mean, I don't think he's bad. He gets, he gets extra points for beating John Cena after he brought the Wakerwish kids in the entrance and <laughs> watch him cry. Oh my god, I know. What a joke. That's yeah. pr- Vince hates kids. <laughs> I mean, it was a sweet moment, I suppose, but then Cena just lost. <laughs> yeah, remember Rise Above the Hate Cena with the face oh i do yeah do that slap a kid that wrestlemania was was quite good it was it was very good i liked it i enjoyed it very well i enjoyed it very much Mm. it was thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable anyway why are we talking about sonata okay yes we're back yes (laughs) sonata boo what are your thoughts (laughs) I have no idea. I've never seen him in my entire life. I know that he used to be part of the fucking Ingobernables, I believe. Right? He used to be in that uh, with... What's his face? Um, what's his face? Uh, yes. uh, yeah, Naito. Naito, that's what that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Naito. Um, I, I was like, is it, Ta- is it Naito or Tanahashi? But no, it's Naito. My okay. brain. Uh, with like, I think it was like Penta and Phoenix. But, and I would have preferred Tai Chi. Okay, why? Tai Chi's my boy. He's a big, strong Japanese man with nice hair. Fair enough. And he's a better wrestler, so so helps. So what you have against Sonata is that you just feel like he's just very meh. Yeah, like okay. Yoshihashi. And okay. Keith Lee. Okay. Uh, and he won. Like he won the New Japan Cup, right? And that's why he got the the title shot. Yeah. Okay. But like so because of this like, you know, winning the the New Japan Cup and uh, winning the title and whatever, like this is a huge push in his career. Like he's it's a huge thing for him. So Yeah. Has he like been you know, I, I don't like using this word because I whatever. But like, has he ever been like, been been like misused or underused or like just not you know never really doing no. much up until this point? No. No. I I have a question for you. Okay. And for everyone watching at home. Okay. Name me one Sonata match that you vividly remember loving. I have never seen him. <laughs> I'm not the right person to ask. I've never seen any of his matches. Well, all right. People at home, one match. That's all I want. One match where you loved him in it. Like, none of this Roman Reigns rubbish where he gets carried. I want something where he's a vital part of the match, and it's good. That a great match. Huh. Once you tell me that, then I will say, okay, Sonata. 
Fair enough. Okay, because I believe you know you said that he was in TNA, so maybe there's people who are familiar with him. Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see what we. Also, I have no idea how somebody is going to reply because this is going on Spotify and and shit. Like I don't know how you can leave. I don't know if you can leave comments there, but uh, we'll figure something Twitter. out. <laughs> we'll figure Twitter. something. Follow well, us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Your we'll... mom's basement at. <laughs> Let's do it. At your mom basement. Do it. At your mom's basement. At your yeah. mom's basement. Okay, you know what? Yeah, sure. We should have thought about that before. But yeah, treat us at, at your mom's basement with any kind of memorable Sonata match. And it doesn't count. Please. It does not count the one against Okada for the World Heavyweight Championship because that's too recent. We don't count that. Anything before that, hit us with it. Yeah. Do it. Okay, well, uh, talking about underwhelming, actually, um, Chavo Guerrero has decided to turn heel <laughs> on the world. I don't know if he was healed beforehand, but he just decided to tweet the most random shit <laughs> the other day. And I don't know, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wants a job real bad. Um, I don't. Is he unemployed right now? What's he doing? Right, I don't know what he's doing right now. But like, so he comes out and he calls on Rey Mysterio, um, to like criticize him for talking about Eddie Guerrero, and then afterwards, like a couple hours after, I think he said it on like an interview or something. I don't know what he, where he said it on, um. And afterwards, he tweets, starts tweeting that, oh, you know, he's just, he's just ribbing, he's just trolling, he's just talking like how a heel would talk. And I was like, sir, what the heck? Like, what was the point <laughs> to begin with? I think he wants a job. But he was in AEW, wasn't he? He showed up in AEW at some point. Did he? I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch AEW. You're the one that watches AEW. <laughs> I don't watch AEW. Oh, you don't? Oh, never mind then. Um, yeah, so apparently... I, I don't have time. Well, I just watch it once. Well, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess neither of us watches AEW. <laughs> uh, anyways, he... Yeah, he came out just saying <laughs> that Rey Mysterio only mentions the Guerrero name in tribute and only to line like, his own pockets with cash. And... He's like he's prostituting the family name, and then he doubled down on it that he was just using Eddie's name to make money, and then he came out and said, "Well, like, oh, it's just you know, it's how a heel should tweet, hook, line, and, and sinker, or whatever." And that was it. And that was it. I would never accuse Rey Mysterio of that. Yeah, like, like nah. And, like, I understand that there's a certain limit to how much you can talk, like, about someone who has passed away and whatever. But at the same time, if there is one person who does it just because of how truly they loved Eddie Guerrero and how truly, like, touched they were by their by his life, it's Rey Mysterio. And you cannot deny that. You really can't. My childhood chooses the correct... Trevor uses his name all the time. It just doesn't make any money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's Rey Mysterio that people care about. We're being really mean to Chavo Guerrero now. <laughs> the only thing I remember from Chavo Guerrero... Come on. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it? Ooh, Chavo. That song, <laughs> that's it. You... Everyone on Spotify, everyone on Twitter, name me one Chavo Guerrero match that you remember that's a, that made that he was good in. Please. <laughs> The nine One. seconds against Kane in WrestleMania. <laughs> Keith Lee. Keith Lee has done a better frog splash than he did. <laughs> and that guy that guy should not be doing that under any circumstances. <laughs> uh, do you remember his uh time as ECW champion? That was a thing. I quite <laughs> Oh, you're you're contradicting yourself. You're gonna say that you enjoyed it. <laughs> You're contradicting yourself. Only, be- only because it was so short. It was. It wasn't that long a reign, really. It's ECW, WWE. Easy, version. Yeah. Who cares? I you think might as well was, be the US champion. I think he held it for like I don't know, was it like a month. He held it for a, a month, and then he got beat by Kane. Yeah, I think it was the best. The best version of Chavo was when Edge was banging his uh, his. Vicky, and then he was like the lap dog. That oh, was the best job. That's prime job. Do you remember Kerwin White? He was this like I shout out to Kerwin White. Shout out to Kerwin White. He was like that like was angle, that was ridiculous. Yeah, he was like a white guy, like a white suburban dad with like a a sweater around his neck and shit. It was so weird. He was like everything's better. He said something like something along the lines of "everything's better white," or something along something that was like not not right to say. Yeah, because um, he was like just, just yeah, he was just like he's he was the stereotypical middle class conservative white guy, and you can see in his face that he's like a fucking Mexican dude. <laughs> I, I've uh, just for everyone at home, I've remembered a match that Chavo was in that I quite enjoyed. Oh well, there so, you go, sir. There one you go. match. You're eating your words already. You're eating your words already. Yeah, Chavo versus Rey Mysterio in that uh, oh. I Quit match. Oh, I know what you're talking on about. On Raw. That, that was all right. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that, that was, was like a good a, one. A, that was a free star. Good. <laughs> it was a three and a half. <laughs> uh, no, nah, free. Only free. No halves. Fair enough. Uh, he was in AEW. He was um, Bandidos' manager for some reason. They're both Mexican. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, and apparently he cost Bandito the Undisputed uh, Ring of Honor Championship, so fuck you, Chavo. There we go. We are just clowning on this, man, and I feel bad. <laughs> Complete, we're we're going to ignore Chavo for a minute. Fair enough. Uh, the, the, uh, Cesaro versus... Oh, sorry, Claudio Castagnoli. Castagnoli. Whatever. Versus Eddie Kingston. Good shit. He was in it? Eddie Kingston. No, no but, who, Claudio, but was Chavo Guerrero in it? What the fuck? No, no I'm not talking about Chavo. What the fuck are you talking about? about? <laughs> I, I wanted to add it on as like a side piece. Oh, yeah, sure. Just a Claudio Eddie Kingston match for it's, no reason. It's half, past, it's half past eight at night. Why would I want to make myself sad? Shut up. What Chavo Guerrero. 
Uh, you know, Chavo Guerrero, the uh, the U- the Juventud Guerrero of our days. That's for sure. <laughs> Speaking of wrestling nicknames, what would you call Chavo Guerrero? Because like he never really had a nickname. He never really had like a a, a mo or like a, a a name that people would call him or like a nickname. As, as far as I'm concerned, Latino Freeze. Latino freeze. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, Carolyn White, that was a thing. I guess that was, I don't know, the, the most, the whitest Mexican I've ever seen. Oh, uh, my gosh. Big Mama's House. Big, big, no. No, that, th- that's Keith Lee. Wait, what was me. that movie? What was that movie? Yeah, Big um, Mama's House. Well, with fucking, yeah, no, no, you're, you're right, you're right. It's Big Mama's House. Big Mama's House is Keith Lee and then Chavo could be white chicks. White chicks. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That oh, works. Yeah. There we go. That works fine. Uh, I'm starting to realize we are burning so many uh, imaginary britches right now, but who cares? Anyways, WWE has unveiled a new World Heavyweight Championship that is supposed to be crowned on Night of Champions in Saudi Arabia in about a month's time. I really like the belt. I don't know what you think about it, but I really like it. It's okay. Could have been worse. I mean, it's definitely inspired by the big gold. I'll say that much. And that's a nice touch, but... I, I think mean... it's inspired by the Intercontinental Championship. Huh? Slightly bigger. You know that new Intercontinental Championship with the gold right. round? It looks the same. It does. I don't. Right. Does it? Look at, look, look at them side by side. I don't think it's that similar. I mean, I mean, sort of. Round look. I think it's the. I think it's the circle in the middle. I think that's what. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I can see. Okay, you know what? It also reminded me Just of slightly, le- slightly shinier. What? You, it, it reminded me sort of like the New Japan, the IWGP, uh, the way that it's like the, the big logo in the center. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, like the shape of it. It's also, I mean, inherently it's slightly similar to the AEW one, but the AEW is just kind of a ripoff of the IWGP one. So, you know, there you go. Um, Do you know what it looks like to me? What? The, the WCW US style. Like the, the shape's completely different. Huh? The... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I see that. The WCW. Ah, oh, okay. 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 Sort of. Sort of. Uh, it's pretty interesting they got Triple H to unveil it. I mean, it kind of makes sense, though, because, like, he's supposedly in charge of everything now. Supposedly, anyways. Who knows? I'll be surprised if Vince lets him be in charge of the like the showers, let alone mm-hmm. mainly wrestling. Oh, you know what? You want to know something fun? It's um, so I was at the Raw after WrestleMania here in Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a crowd, the show was great. It was fun, whatever. But I do know that people at home who watched it like on TV did not like it at all. I do know that much. Oh, uh, it it was very underwhelming. Yeah. Didn't Seth's segment get cut? That's what they said. I have no idea though, because like 
the entire thing, it was it was kind of bizarre because he shows up on the big screen, whatever. He starts talking, then they hit the music. He comes out, and we all start singing, right? We all start singing along, and then he goes to commercial, and we just kept singing. Like, the crowd just kept singing for, like, five straight minutes. We were just like, whoa, whatever, whatever. Uh, <laughs> can't do it right now. Um, and then he comes back from commercial. He said, like, two sentences, but we all just kept singing, and then he just kind of lean into that lean like started telling people how to sing or whatever like started uh playing around with the crowd and whatever and then he just left and that was it like you could see that he was getting told something by like the people around ringside you could, I could not tell what that was but it didn't feel like he was he was supposed to do more it just felt like he was just there to like soak up attention and then leave but i have no idea it's a bit like a waste of Talent. I mean, it was a fun moment, but in retrospect, it didn't really do much. No. <laughs> yeah, like one time I was uh, on at Raw. Uh, Dean Ambrose came out for like three minutes. Yeah, like that, that sort just, of thing. He, he didn't do anything. He was just sort of talking. there. Yeah, he was just sort of there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, and they and they told us that Kurt Angle wasn't there that night, and everyone booed him. Oh, boo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because then the, the Raw, the week afterwards, it was completely different. So it was it's definitely bizarre how that turned out. But, I mean, right now, I think Raw has been doing well. SmackDown has been doing pretty well. So, like, you know, who cares? Um, speaking of which, who do you think will be the first World Heavyweight Champion in this new era? Hmm. I would love to say they'd put it on Finn. Hmm. Okay. I think they're gonna go for a bigger name. I, I, I it could be Seth. Could That's be possible. Could be. But and I have another question. Sure. So Roman Roman's belts are they merging or is he just gonna have this file? What, what what's going on? I mean, I guess he's just gonna. It's they're either gonna uh, keep it as just two titles and just defend, just like be one title like that, like be one championship but two titles. Or he'll just drip the, he'll just drop the blue belt, maybe. Or he'll drop one of the belts. But doesn't that doesn't the addition of this new tile just sort of make his less like a big deal? I think what they're trying to do is it kind like, of kills his momentum a little. I mean, I think what they're trying to do is like it's going back to having a main champion, like a main title in both shows because. The thing with Roman, aside you know, aside from the part-time jokes and whatever, it's difficult really to build up contenders when the champion is not really there. You know what I mean? And yeah, and not having him around as often is like, I think what they're aiming for is like he'll be like the final boss, like he'll be the top of the mountain. You know, he's unreachable. His title is unreachable. And then on a step below him, so to speak you'll have this new title that like the top guys can go fighting over with it without having to go out after Roman losing. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like it can be like a step below Roman, but something for like Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, um, fucking, I don't know. Uh, 
Cody Rhodes, even uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, that that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like something for this top guys or anybody else for that matter to be going after without having to go into a program with Roman where most likely they will end up losing. Because then I think they're starting to realize that like having Roman win so much hurts the um, the other talent more than it builds up Roman at this point. So I feel like they'll just scatter they'll just like make Roman's title and appearances like a, a bit more scatter around and they'll shift focus to this new title and this will be like the the working man title, so to speak. You know what I mean? I, I, I have my own ideas of what I would do with it. It's sort of similar to what you did. I wouldn't call it the World Heavyweight Championship. I'd call it just the Heavyweight Championship. Just to make it less, more like a second-rate title. I'd give it to Gunther and let him run with it. Ooh, that's a good one. I didn't think of him because he's Intercontinental Champion, but that's a very good one. That would be fun because then you could you could have... Intercontinental so... Championship be yeah. the second-rate, but... Yeah, and I'm sure like they, I'm sure they're gonna be like, you know, it's the WWE World Heavyweight Title because like it's supposed to be prestigious. It's supposed to not be the second rate title, but it's definitely going to be a second rate title. Like it's just when you have Roman and the other end, like it's difficult to not have something that is going to fall behind him at this point, anyways. Imagine, I remember your boy Johnny C. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The US Open Challenge, well, like a Gunther Heavyweight Title Challenge Ooh. every week. That would be really, really fun. That would be very good. Oh, I mean, you could bring in Carmelo Hayes. You could bring in yeah. Scott Steiner. Oh, what's his name? Ron, Ron Breaker. Breaker. <laughs> Scott Steiner. <laughs> Scott. You could. Why not? Well, I mean, yeah, no, uh, yeah. You could bring. You can bring back Big Papa Pum. Who cares? He's rip, uh, just starts I mean, uh, doing promos on Ric Flair. That guy's, taken, <laughs> that guy's taken so many roads. If he sits slap by gun for his chest, will cave in. Yeah, he has one one chop and his chest will just explode. Uh, but no, yeah, you... yeah, like, and all these rumors that that CM Punk might be coming back. Yeah, he was a he was backstage yeah. at a show, wasn't he? Yeah, Jay White might be coming in. Well, I mean, that's that's what they were saying about the Raw after WrestleMania. Then he didn't show up, and he showed up in AEW. So I don't know how that's gonna work out. Yeah, that's that's pretty damn depressing, but. It was weird. It was definitely weird because, like, I, I have no idea why people expected that, but you know, uh, well, you know, if anything, yeah, and imagine what would be a better David versus Goliath than Gunther versus Sami Zayn. Oh, that would be awesome because Sami would just sell the shit out of everything. <laughs> yeah. Dolph Ziggler versus Gunther. Dolph Ziggler, have... is a good one. Johnny Gargano versus Gunther. Johnny Gargano, yeah. When Champa comes back. Yeah, no. the Miz. it can definitely like. I'm sure that they'll have a lot of fun and they'll like have really, really good champions because there's really, really good wrestlers in WWE right now. There's really good, and there's a lot of them that can. I can definitely see carrying yeah. this title because, like, one thing is seeing them being able to be a Roman, but with this new title, is like anybody can have it. Anybody. Yeah, like like a copied Cena again, SummerSlam, Gunther. Versus Alberto Dalio. <laughs> just bring in Alberto back. <laughs> I know. Bring back anybody. Bring back everybody. Bring back anyone. Bring up. Well, Paige is, Paige is in AEW now, which is crap. So, yeah. I don't think anyone would care. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, 
I don't like I said I don't watch AEW, but I have heard that it's not super fun so far at the moment. MJF is the only good thing, literally. Yeah, that's what I've heard because I don't know. Like like I said, I don't watch it, so I have a very very baseline opinion. But from what I've seen online and what I've heard, it's kind of after the CM Punk stuff, just kind of just became a shit show. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll definitely see. Um. Yeah. So, for the record, my real idea would have been Gunther versus the returning Big E. That would be that. Would, I would love to see that because that is just two big men slapping meat, and we love to see big men slapping meat. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Shut up. I know you do. So, on that note, I I enjoy Pulo Lesu. You enjoy big men slapping meat. You can just say that because you enjoy that both in the ring and out of the ring. So. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Am I wrong? Uh, on the note of the championship, I propose we do a little wager to see who comes out with it at Night of Champions, which is like what, like two months in, two months in advance. Now, because we are a uh, mostly audio <laughs> show, I think whoever loses has to do a full rendition of R-Truth's theme song, All the Rap, Oh no! after whatever champion is crowned. And I think this is kind of going to work. We will both say a wrestler who we think is going to win it. If we both lose, then we both have to do it. I think you should also sing the, the Miz remix. Well, okay. We'll also do the mix Mrs. R Truth the Song remix. Do you remember do you remember the, the Miz? Yes, I do remember that one. It sucked. Yo, you remember. think you're bad? Don't you know how bad I'm be the last man? <laughs> no? No yeah. one remembers? Uh I mean, I remember it happened. I don't remember that clearly though. Um and what we can do is we'll say a wrestler right now and then the day before the pay-per-view where it's going to be crowned. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. It's a notorious MIZ. It's a notorious... <laughs> Why uh, did they do that? Why? Because they thought it was fun. Damn. I don't know. That It was the Mrs. idea. That's the worst part. The Miz gets a lot of credit for me for acting stupid. Just oh, I, acting stupid. I love the Miz. He is one of my favorites. I love him so much, but that idea was awful. <laughs> na, 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 na. I'm trying to be serious it's here, sir. M-I-Z. I'm trying to be serious here. Na, 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 na. Shut up. You know, you're rocking with the <laughs> with <it>. M-I-Z. <laughs> awesome. And, and Maris as well. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I hate you so much. Anyways, back to what we were talking about. Um, I think we should each say a wrestler right now, and then the day before the pay-per-view, or the, the show before the pay-per-view, once we do know who is going to fight it, we'll make another um, prediction. So whoever, get, whoever wins this prediction doesn't have to do the R-Truth rap. Whoever loses this prediction and then loses the next <laughs> prediction has to do our truthest rap and the misses rap. Does that make sense? 
If we both yeah. lose the first prediction, then we both have to do our truth is. But whoever loses the second prediction has to do both and the misses one. Sounds good. We've already done half of it this show, so I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, I could tell that you remember it very, very clearly. Oh, God. Well, uh, I think that's... <laughs> Book it, Vince. <laughs> Book it, Vince. Notorious M-I-Z. The notorious M-I-Z. And uh, what would be Marissa's this rap name? would be like... Mizzy, 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 can't you, <laughs> you see? see? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes your moves just paralyze me. Oh, that's just a, that's just a... <laughs> look. It's too hard. It is to come up with this on the spot. Yeah, that's the worst part. Though I know that you did not prepare any of this. At nine o'clock at night. Uh, are you? Of course are... not. Of course not. Well, I, I have think... an iPad with cage match. Cagematch.net. Great great website. But the best website has all the best Shout out. Sites. Shout out to Cagematch. You love it. Uh well I the think something I, don't know. I think this has been a very prolific first show. We have no idea what we're doing. Check we're, we're just trying it we're just trying Check out best. my vlog Check at prowrestlingonly.com. Check out DJ's blog at prowrestling.com. You'll find it somewhere. It's somewhere in there. I won't tell I'll you which one it is. It's I'm booking all Japan, but with Chris Hero in it. Literally, that's that's the literal difference. It's just all is new. It's all Japan with Chris Hero in it. Imagine, yeah, imagine all Japan with Chris Hero and Jimmy Garvin. Literally. Uh, Okay, well, thank you all so much for joining in. If you have made it this far, thank you, and I am very surprised. As you can tell, we are not professionals. The music, please, the show. Come on. <laughs> I've had no alcohol in the in the making of this episode. Just lots of liquor. Anyway. No, that's just him. That's just that's just him. Well, thank you so much for joining. Fried chicken. <laughs> Chavo versus Kane. Uh... Yeah, JPL, the African dream. JPL, oh, yeah. the African dream. <laughs> Mike the Mongolian Miss. And the giant big show. <laughs> Mike the Mongolian Miss. That's the one. Book it, Vince. Do it. Just Mike the Mongolian Miss versus JVL, the African Dream. <laughs> For more nonsense booking, go to prowrestlingonly.com. Uh, if you would like to hear some more of our nonsense, tune in next time for our next show here at Coming at you live from your mom's basement. Uh, I am your host, Dex, and your co-host, DJ, and we will see you in the next one. Maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> and when you, when, you, when you say your answer, I change the question. Whoa! Girl, you're smoking mirrors. What? Anyway. <laughs> I'm really tired. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>